Hello and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Rebecca Roberts is a mindset coach and a self-identified story shaper and space maker. She has a deep curiosity for exploring the old beliefs and inner dialogues that shape our behavior and experience of life. She has learned from her own life experience that sometimes only a single thought stands between heaviness and lightness of being. After feeling chained down by the old story she believed about herself, what she could and couldn't do, or what she could and couldn't be, she now knows that the key to freedom lies within our own minds and our chosen stories. This work ended up changing her life, and Rebecca now has immense gratitude for the chance to accompany others in reigniting their natural spark and lightness in life. She can be found at www.rebeccaroberts.com. Her message is that this life is too serious to take ourselves too seriously. Rebecca Roberts, what an honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Super nice to be here. Thanks so much, Casey. <laughs> Absolutely. It was such a cool intro. You've done so many um, different things in your life, and you are known as the inner architect. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, and that comes actually from my background. So my background is actually interior architecture, so from the design world. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I wanted to tell you, um, especially as I was like high school and college age, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an architect. <laughs> so ah. all of my classes were all about architecture. And I started to realize that in order to be good at architecture, you need to be good at math. And unfortunately, <laughs> I was not good at math. I hated math. And so I never became an architect. So I'm just curious, are we going to have to do any math on this episode today? No, do you know what? Actually, that's why I went for interior architecture because those fancy architects need maths. But um, when it comes to more of the interior space planning layout, which for me was always what I loved is that, you know, you've got the exterior architecture, the the building, the core, you know, where the stairs are and and all of the structural elements. But then you've also got the opportunity where a lot of times they will bring in interior designers to lay out the space between all of those walls. So where all the non-supporting walls go. And for me, that's what shapes the experience that people have when they're inside of a space. Mm. Um, and that plays so much on actually what brought me to where I am, because I kept realizing, you know, how we experience life so often is is how the structures around us are, are built, you know, whether or not that's our partnerships or the jobs that we have or the amount of money, the city or country that we live in. And when I started realizing how much that can influence but that there's still this aspect of ourselves that is choice of of how we experience that internally, right? So our response to our space, that our external spaces really, they play a part, they can support or, or make it more difficult, but that our mindsets, the way that we perceive our lives, the stories that we tell, um, shapes whether or not we are delighting in this life or... <laughs> whether or not we're suffering it. Wow. <laughs> well, that's really beautiful. Um, I wish you could go back 20 years and just tell me to get into the right wing of the of architecture <laughs> so I didn't need to do any math. I am so excited to go on this journey with you today and to talk about these super important things and, like you said, the stories that we tell ourselves. So let's start out by hearing your story. I would love to hear, you know, kind of your life, where you grew up and what that was like and the things you learned along the way. 
Sure, sure. So I'm originally from Louisiana in the U.S., deep south, and I it, it is such a beautiful place um, with such incredibly warm-hearted people and this very much at least where I grew up and all as well, my family and the circles around me, um, very much servant hearted, right? So how can we be great hosts? How can we um, make you feel at home? And so this is something that I really take away from Louisiana as one of those things that I love. Um, and like everything, it has these two sides of the coin, right? Because there is such a beauty to that that servant spirit but then there's also this aspect of you should be selfless right it's all about the other kind of put yourself to the side it's really about um serving the greater good and this is something that took many years for me to to really deeply understand because i i grew up thinking about this process of i'm not included in <laughs> the service part, you know, I'm doing the serving, but I, I shouldn't also be of service to myself. And this has been such a massive shift as I've lived in different places. So I, I, I moved to Boston at some point in time. Um, I have a beautiful ex-husband who we're still very close friends, but our life paths were going in very different directions. So he's family for me. But we, we also, we were in Boston, we moved to Switzerland together, we spent time in London, and I started realizing that there are so many different ways to reinvent yourself, <laughs> especially when you move to a new place, because you've got almost like a blank slate. You know, nobody knows you or very few people know you, and all of a sudden you give yourself permission to present yourself as you are in this moment, not as people have known you maybe for the past 20 or 25 years. And this is one place where I think so often we limit ourselves. I know I did that this realization of, ah, can I see myself with fresh eyes? You know, can I allow myself to see who I am in this moment and, and all the change and transformation that has come. And this is where that inner architecture part comes in, because that also takes some inner stability, right? To be able to own our messiness, to be able to own our change and transformation. The fact that certain things that we did a while back, yeah, maybe we're not so proud of, but instead of feeling shame for them, we can take ownership of those stories and say, hey, you know what? Would I do it again? No. <laughs> but did I learn great things from this? Did I learn at, at a minimum what I don't want to repeat future in my life? And, and so this has been a lot of my journey is, is actually reframing and rediscovering my own story. And I feel very gifted or very blessed to have the gift of hearing the the little gems and jewels in other people's stories and being able to point those out and say, hey, wait, stop, stop, stop. You just kind of graze over this part of your life as though it's nothing. But do you see the magic there? You know, do you see the wisdom that your body 
has that you've learned from from this and that scenario, you know? And this is where so much of our magic lies that I, I just, I love helping people. I love being an advocate for the unspoken stories. Let's put it this way. Mm. Wow. Do we need a major life event, like a move or something tragic to happen in our lives to um, be kind of like a catalyst to get started with this? Or is this something that we can put in place before we experience a, a great change in life? It's an excellent question. I, I will say, I think it depends on how stubborn we are. <laughs> um, I know I'm pretty darn stubborn. Um, and there is a beauty in stubbornness that when we get something, and we really understand it, that man, we can be really steadfast and hold to it. Um, when we believe that we've got all the answers, <laughs> then sometimes life needs to kind of humble us to, to make us malleable, to soften us, to be able to think, hey, maybe there might be another way that I haven't explored yet. And I would say that this comes... Yeah, it's, it's maybe not the most satisfying answer, but it comes a lot by grace <laughs> mm. that I feel as though, you know, I didn't necessarily do anything to have the, the difficult moments that brought me to that humility. I think I've seen plenty of people that have come to that just through curiosity as well. And this is part of why I do the work that I do, because you know, yes, there, there are plenty of times where we need to really, truly be humbled and on our knees a bit looking up going, okay, so where can I go from here? Right. So I've hit rock bottom. Now, at least it's easier to push off and, and get a head start. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of it is really about that openness in our mind to say, am I really all that I believe myself to be? Or could I be surprised by my own story? Could I be surprised by myself still? Mm. Wow. Okay. So I'm wondering if there are commonalities with people that you work with, what would be like a mm. common example? Um, one that we might not think is very obvious, but you know, something that you deal with quite a bit and how we maybe like phrase an event in our head and tell ourselves a story about that. What's a really common one that you work with? Ah, yes. Okay. So actually, I would love to give two because there, there's one that's like this little gem that I use all the time that's called conscious language. Um, and so, so that's one, but the, the one that I want to start with, so we'll come back to conscious language. But the one that I want to begin with is this aspect of looking back to our struggles in life. And so often we focus... <sighs> We focus on the strain and the stress of it instead of the gratitude of what it has brought. And I will say gratitude is one of the greatest gifts to opening up and moving forward um, and to stepping into more, more connection with ourselves, more connection with the world around us, is to be able to look at some of our old stories and to ask the question, what could I be grateful for in this? So whether it's something more highly traumatic, like, um, like childhood difficulties, perhaps childhood abuse, um, 
or whether or not it's something more simple, another form of trauma, but something much softer, but it doesn't feel softer to those who experience it. Like I know many who come for storytelling, they have a fear of speaking up. And very often it is because at some point in time, early on, there was some resistance from the outside world. Maybe they were too boisterous, too lively, too powerful as children. And people told them, hey, you need to tone it down. You need to quiet down. You need to be less because you're too much for other people. Or sometimes it was the exact opposite, a trauma that comes from being forced to be an extrovert when their nature is more quiet and reserved and and bringing that calm presence. And so sometimes it can be to look around in our lives and what are the gifts that we have right now and to ask what, what happened in my life that right now I view as, yeah, as, as either a trauma or as something that I definitely don't view as a gift? And is there a way to reframe that story with some gratitude? Mm. Wow. Why, why does it feel like this work is so challenging? <laughs> it's almost like we would rather be super busy doing other things than to start to address some of these things in our lives. <laughs> okay, so this ties so perfectly into that second point of conscious language. It's because simplicity is scary for us because we've been taught that to do things right, to do things well, to really be spectacular in some way, it requires great effort. And very often what I find is that it is being consistent with the simple small things. And one of the biggest elements that I use in the work that I do is looking at how we can be more conscious with our choice of language. And for example, there are certain words that when we're speaking, they imply to our own minds that we are at the mercy of something else. And these come up in words like, I have to, I should, I must, I can't. I need to. All of these things imply that there is some external force that is working on us and making us do something. And so much of it is truly just about taking ownership of our actions, of our lives, of the fact that, yes, there are circumstances that were absolutely outside of our control, but we have shaped our lives with our choices. And when we can own that, even the messy bits, then we start to use words like, I choose, I can, I have the opportunity to. And I'll give you an example from my own life that was a major game changer. And it comes in kind of a sneaky way because the word want can either imply choice, like, ah, yes, I, I want this meaning like, yes, I will accept it, I choose it. But one can also imply lack, like what we are missing in life, what we believe we don't have, but would like to have. And I hear this so often, I want to experience love. I want confidence. I want, and my, my phrase was, I want to trust myself. 
I want to deeply trust myself. It looks like all the people around me are making decisions and they just seem to get it. And I don't feel that kind of confidence at all. Like, what am I missing? I just want to trust myself. And again and again, I would say this phrase thinking that it was something that I was working towards, right? It was, it was what I was looking towards. And along the way, I read this beautiful book that is literally called Conscious Language. And he brings up this point and he says, now what happens when you replace the word want with choose? And in this moment, I said, I choose to trust myself. And I still get goosebumps because in that moment, it was like all of the power returned back to me. I was no longer waiting for something to come along that gave me the ability to trust myself. Instead, I realized that it was an active, momentary, constant choice of I move in trust. It doesn't mean I move perfectly. But from that point, man, things started to really shift. And I began to own so much more of my life because I realized I'm choosing this. And there are so many times where we put off <laughs> responsibility onto something else when, in fact, there is always choice. There is always choice. And we're constantly choosing our path. Wow. That is so beautifully said. I absolutely love that. Um, I think... I think you're right. Like we, the limiting, the, the limiting words that we place in our own head on ourselves, it, it's really quite staggering. And I, I think a really simple reframe like that is so powerful. It feels really empowering, right? Like it feels like we yes. now have the power to choose what we want. Just like you said, it's so cool. Absolutely. You know, and it touches on the flip side of storytelling, because so often when we talk about storytelling, the first thing that people think about is, you know, the words that come out of my mouth, the way that I tell a story to the outside world. But in all honesty, and this is where the mindset work and the storytelling are intimately linked, is because what happens first is the stories within our own minds. And this is where we, we limit ourselves. You know, so often I also work a lot with folks in the professional world and there are there are plenty of times where something comes up at work. You need to work with somebody that, you know, is maybe not your your cup of tea, your favorite person or you're placed on a project or whatever it is that you're really not so keen on. And that's when the language begins to come up inside of your own head. Oh my gosh, I have to do this. Now I need to call this person and now I need to do this. But when we look back and sometimes our choice is a few layers back, you know, sometimes our choice is, yeah, well, maybe I didn't choose this particular project, but I chose to be in this team and be in this job. So I still have choice. And yes, sometimes our choices are tough. If it gets too bad, then maybe my choice needs to be to leave the company or to find a new position or to speak up for myself. But when we put the choice out into the other's hands, then truly, why would we think that somebody else would be able to care for our life path and our direction better than we could? You know, so that's that's really the beauty of it is to start to pay attention to what happens within our own minds 
and the stories that we're telling ourselves about what potential we have, what choices do we have? That also comes back to the ways that we handle our bodies, you know, what we put into our bodies, how we care for our resources, our sleep, our food, our, our movement, all of these different things. Yeah, we retain our power to, you know, somewhat control at least how we're viewing the situation. And then the situation can just be however it is. It's, it's so well said. You said something um, I thought was fantastic. I ended up writing this down. This reminded me of, you know, most of my career working for a big corporation that the goal was always more. It was just more, like more dollars, more sales, more clients, more, 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 whatever you had this month was not enough for the next month and on and on and on for so long. And I look mm -hmm. at our, our business now that we started in the pandemic and we run a very simple business and mm -hmm. we, we've been, for me, for me personally, it's been really difficult to define enough when is the work enough? And the phrase that you said was simplicity is scary. I would love to unpack that a little bit with you. Mm. Tell us why, why is simplicity so scary? It should be the opposite. Mm. I, do you know, I love that you pick up on that. And I love that you bring up this topic because when, when is enough? The reason why, especially this is scary is because it requires you to trust yourself and not all of the societal norms. And that can be super scary, not only from a, you know, wow, this right, this might really mean that I am being quite divergent, <laughs> quite contrary to what the world is kind of screaming at us, that it's about growing and expanding. And, um, and it's about being aware, once again, of the language, because expansion can mean so many different things. And I give a really beautiful example. So I've, <laughs> I've been working with the farmers and growers of the UK <laughs> and they are such a beautiful group of people and the team that is working to support them to increase their leadership as agri-leaders, um, they have this this situation right now where there are so many of these small farms, quite often family run for generations. And they are in this mode of, we need to expand, we need to grow, we need to do more, be bigger. And as a result, they are absolutely burning themselves out. Mm. So there are a few things that are happening. The next generation is going, I see what you're doing. You're essentially killing yourself. Why in the world would I want to take over this business? Right? So there's the threat of a lot of family businesses stopping after this next generation. But on top of that, there is, there's this concept of bigger is better. And instead of saying, actually, what, what am I really passionate about? You know, there are those people that are absolutely success for them means, wow, I can care for, you know, 200 employees and I can expand my reach across the entire country and doing different things. But on the flip side, there may be someone else who goes, I don't care about expanding my reach. I care about expanding my quality. I care about finding ways to do sustainable farming. I care about ways to explore, you know, whatever these different aspects are that light them up. 
and perhaps then still increasing and growing, right? That aspect of expansion and contribution, these two very basic human needs that we have are growth for ourselves and then contribution back out into the world. When we are meeting these two needs, man, this is when magic happens. But how each one of us does that is wholly individual. And, and to understand that is such sometimes a scary thing because you may have people going, no, 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 you need to expand. You need to be bigger. You need to reach more people where in all honesty, maybe it's no, I need to reach fewer people, but with a quality that is mind boggling. And it puts the greatest smile on people's face. And for me, between that and giving me space to spend time with my children or my family, like this is success for me. Mm. And that's the scary part of simplicity is, is again, the ownership aspect of what is your dream? What is your vision? And it's not defaulting to what is the societal norm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so well explained. I think it's also, you know, kind of framing it as a as a decision between resources. Like sometimes, you know, mm. money and is a resource that you can have and you can work hard to get more of it, but there's also a time resource and the time resource mm -hmm. is going and going and going. I'm reading a book right now called 4,000 Weeks. And it's basically mm. that's a full lifespan is about 4,000 weeks. That's not very many weeks. Wow. That's crazy, right? When you put these things in context, I've seen it as well with um, with beans or marbles, like someone's lifetime in in a visual form. It really can be so humbling in that way of why am I running around like a headless chicken when <laughs> I could be enjoying this life? You know, there's a parable actually that I love, and it's a man is a, there's a fisherman who around midday brings his haul of beautiful fish up onto land. And as he does, a businessman is passing by and the businessman sees the man's small boat and one person crew and walks over and he says, oh my goodness, I see the quality of what you're pulling in. I think that you should, you should consider expanding and I could help you expand. And he said, ah, yes. So what would that do? And he said, well, if you had a fleet of boats, then you could take out and you could bring in an even more haul and you could go beyond your village into the big city. And he says, ah, yes, but then what would happen? And he says, well, then your name would be known internationally and you would be known for the beautiful fish that you bring in and you would make even more money. And then the man says, okay, and then what? He says, well, then you can expand even further. And finally, you can get to spend time with your family on this beautiful beach with this wealth. And he says, he says, at midday, I bring in my hall. I have fish for my family. From the afternoon to the evening, I spend time with my wife and my children in this beautiful setting. I earn enough money to be able to buy all the things that I need. Why do I need to expand all of that way to come exactly to the beautiful satisfaction that I have in this moment? Rebecca, the author of 4,000 Weeks, told that story on my audiobook about an hour before we started this call. <laughs> Get 
out. Synchronicity. Look at that. You are on it. How beautiful. So beautiful. And as I was, you know, listening to that story, I'm out walking around my lake, you know, by my house. And, you know, my clients that I that I had today, I, they're, they're done. And that was this morning. And, you know, I had some free time and went on a little stroll around the lake and just preparing for a few interviews. And I mean, what a what an amazing place to be able to take a deep breath and say like, look, this is, this is enough for today. Like this is okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he just told that story <laughs> just like 30 <laughs> minutes before getting on this call. <laughs> I love it so much because exactly what you're talking about, like you can also bring that totally into your reality of when we get to be of service. I mean, I will say when we stop feeling like we're growing or expanding, this is the time where we suffer and where we struggle. And this is where we come in. I feel a lot to this temptation of what the world says we need to do to grow because it's very, it it can also be very sexy, right? You listen to somebody talk about, Oh, and I did this and I expanded to this and you can do this too. And it can be exceptionally sexy and and very seductive, actually. But then it's about once again coming back and saying, but what is it that I truly wish for? And this is oftentimes the scariest thing because that takes a lot to to say to ourselves, "What what is it that I truly want to create? And this creation aspect requires us to take our dreams and our visions and bring them into tangible form. And that can be really scary, especially when it's something that, you know, there isn't a blueprint out there for exactly how to do it in the way that we want. Yeah. Mm, Wow. One of the activities, I, I don't know where I picked this up, but I actually did it. This was a few years ago. I'm really glad that I did it. Um, one of the activities that was recommended to me was to sit down, um, you know, do your mindfulness practice, get really calm with yourself, calm your breathing or do your breath work. And then envision your life in a few years. If you could take away any restriction that would stop you from having that life, what, what would be the most ideal things that you would want in place? It could be a feeling you want to get as specific as possible. And and, and, you know, just what would your ideal life be in five years if there was nothing to stop you, magic wand, totally fine. And I did it and I saved it. And I'm so glad that I did. And I, I look back now at some of the components of my life and they're not, they're not that much different than what I had envisioned. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for that. And I'm grateful that I took the time to do that. Uh, what are some of the practical tips that you recommend for people to, you know, maybe envision what they really truly want out of life? Oh, do you know, I, I love this because I hear this so often. So visioning is one of the greatest gifts, even if, and I love that you recorded it and I love that you had it saved because I, I have a dear friend who's also been a client in the past. And last year he called me and he just left a voice message. And I think I still have it saved because it's so precious. And he said, Rebecca, Three years ago, you guided me in a visioning session. And I had this moment this morning and I had tears in my eyes because I realized that I was sitting in the chair that I envisioned in my in in this in this dream that I had. I was looking out 
on exactly the view that I imagined because he had, he had envisioned actually buying his parents' old home. And with the woman that I want, <laughs> with my children around, and I'm holding a cup of coffee and I'm just realizing I haven't been thinking about it every day, but because it became so clear that somewhere this little internal compass started guiding me and directing me in this direction to try and figure out how I could make that a reality. And today I, I had a coffee with a dear friend and she said, I do something called fast forward backwards. And I said, okay, explain this to me. What do you mean? <laughs> And she said, well, I vision where I want to be. And then I, I turn around from that point and I say, how did I get here? Like, okay, if I want to invest something, you know, how did I, how did I get here? What did I start doing to get on this path? And she said, and by doing that, and this is one of the most beautiful ways with visioning is not just to look out, but from this place of stepping into that space of exactly what you want to feel, what you want to experience, what you want to have surrounding you, whether that's people or um, a certain place or certain things, then to, to give yourself permission to have that future self speak to our present self <laughs> and say, hey, this is how you can get there. And, and to make these links because, yeah, I mean, time is a fascinating thing, right? I, and I truly believe that there is a lot more, yeah, there's a lot more than what we don't know and what we do know. I'm not talking about time travel, but I'm saying that truly if this moment, this present moment is all that exists, then there is the possibility to tap into also greater wisdom that is you know, well beyond ourselves, I believe, even if it's just in our imagination and our subconscious. Mm. That practice sounds absolutely amazing. I think it's so easy to always project out into the future and what we are lacking. Like you said, like, what are we wanting, you know? And mm -hmm. I don't think we really appreciate the things that we, we gain you know, when we get there or, or it's almost like a letdown when, when we attain what we always thought we wanted, because now it's like, well, mm. now what am I going to do? Mm. <laughs> I love that. I love, well, and this brings up another topic that I feel is like one of the most underrated aspects is, is this power of reflection. Um, and that goes hand in hand with the power of celebration. And this is from a neurological sense. Celebration is a phenomenally powerful practice because when we celebrate, our body literally responds with a certain chemical hormonal cocktail that lights our brains up, that starts making connections in certain ways. And our brain is asking, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. What did we just do? Like, what did we do to get here? And how do I do this again? How do I get more? And so it's one of the greatest gifts, actually, when we want to create habits or transform habits, when we want to start creating patterns within our lives and move forward in a certain direction, is to take the time consciously carving out space to reflect and say, okay, let's see where I was sometimes even this morning, 
<laughs> you know, sometimes it can be that impactful to look and say, wow, what have I accomplished in the day? What have I accomplished in the week? Where was I one year ago? Yeah, I have a I have a beautiful app on my phone that is a journaling app. And each morning it says you have five entries <laughs> from past years from today. Would you like to look at them? And I can go back and say, oh my gosh, on this day, three years ago, that's what was happening. Holy cow, how far have I come in this time? Mm. And other times, wow, I, I can't believe I created this. I, I had I had this dream, I had this vision, and it's here. Am I really wow? Like, can I truly celebrate the fact that I'm I've made it? to where I dreamed I would be and to take a moment to pause and just soak that in, not in any kind of way. You know, sometimes I know in, in especially Louisiana, but I'm sure all over the place, there's this concept that celebration equals arrogance. You know, we see some of these athletes, you know, smashing down the ball and doing fancy dances. And it's not about that when we can celebrate in deep gratitude for the recognition of, wow, I am bringing my gifts out into the world. I am truly honoring these dreams and these visions that were placed within me. And that's powerful. Wow. That is so cool. Um, I've been meaning to ask you this as well, since you do have the background in inner architecture. Um, yeah. how, how can we is there a way that we can set up our inner space and the, the places where we spend a lot of time to help um, help us be more mindful and maybe change some of our habits? Mm, absolutely. Um, and this is this is probably one of the smallest one of the, the, the little small aspects that can make big, big differences. Uh, there's a beautiful book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. Fantastic book. And it's phenomenal. And I mean, he can't have a better name, right? His name is James Clear. It's Come on. So like, it's so that's good. so not fair to have that great of a name for something like this. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that he talks about that, man, it hit me and I love it is setting yourself up for success in many of the small ways. Like, how can we make the, the things that we want to increase in our lives? Often I talk about not how do I stop doing something or start doing something, but when we can be a little bit softer with ourselves, we can talk about where do I want to turn the volume up and where do I want to turn the volume down? And for the things that I want to turn the volume up on, how do I make that just a little bit easier? You know, if I want to start encouraging myself for movement, my 6.30 a.m. self is not so motivated to work out. But my 10 p.m. self who goes, yeah, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to do this. You know, letting my 10 p.m. self help my 6.30 self by putting out the clothes, putting out the gym shoes, putting out the yoga mat, and maybe a bottle of water so that the barrier is lowered, right? That I, I don't have these excuses that I'm actually supporting myself to create the type of life that it is. And, and I love that James Clear uses this, that each action is a vote, for the type of person that we choose to be. Mm. 
And, and the, these are the things, the same can go for habits that we want to shift. You know, how can I make this a little bit more difficult? If you're looking to reduce phone time, buy an alarm and put your phone outside of the bedroom. Put it in a lockbox that doesn't open until a certain time. Take the batteries out of the remote control. So anytime you want to change the channel, you got to get up um, and find those batteries, right? These are the little things that what we see and, and what is directly in front of us becomes more easily accessible, same kind of thing where if you want to eat healthier, it's about filling the fridge with beautiful colors of foods that inspire you. Um, so these are the little ways that we can support ourselves in, in increasing those things that we want more of in our lives and decreasing the things that we would say, hey, it would be great to turn the volume down on, you know the amount of ice cream or <laughs> the amount of Netflix, whatever it might be. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I'm thinking of walking to my television to turn it on or change a channel or something. I'm like, that is barbaric in 2021. I'm going to drag myself Endless. all the way across a living room. Like, <laughs> not exactly, uh, not exactly the worst problem to have. <laughs> um, you do some really wonderful work on your website, um, which I've been playing around on quite a bit, and I really love the Inner Architecture Minis. And mm. I want to talk about why you do that in, that in that format, and then I'm going to ask you about one in particular that I absolutely just love the concept of. Cool, cool. Um, do you know, it started because at some point in time, I was super uncertain and nervous in front of the camera. Um, and my partner and I decided, we said, Hey, you know what, let's do a 30 day challenge. And every day for those 30 days, we need to make a video and we need to post it out somewhere. And you talk about a stretch, man, that was, that was super tough. There were some of those videos where I hate to admit this. I probably recorded 30 or 40 to get to a place where I felt like, Yep. Okay. That one's not horrible. Wow. I can feel my chest tighten like for you. I can feel that total, <laughs> total resistance. The number right? of weeks and weeks and weeks before we ever pushed record on a, on a podcast. I, I totally oh yeah. Oh yeah. And these are the things that, you know, that was a major stretch out of comfort zone was just mm -mm, like, I don't want to do this. But the incredible thing that happened was it wasn't like at 30 days, I was just feeling like, ma'am, I am the bomb, right? I got this down. But what was incredible was, again, this, this topic of reflection, looking at day one versus day 30 and saying, okay, so one, first of all, um, the content that comes out when I'm forced to clarify my thoughts in a certain way or to share about what happened in a day, it became like a little journal, a chance to share the things that were, were coming up, the beautiful points, the learnings. And second, I saw the amount of progress and growth that I made in simply one month. And I thought, how often do I do this that I think, man, that is such an unsurmountable task. And when I'm actually forced to do it, all of a sudden, 
I realize, wow, yeah, I mean, it's a bit sloppy at first, but this gets easier. And this is how mastery happens is that can I let myself be messy? Can I get curious about how to be playful with this instead of focusing on the, oh my gosh, I look like a fool? Because it's very tempting (laughs) to focus on the, oh my gosh, I look like a fool instead of what is truly the intention. And I just, I fell in love with this format of sharing the learnings that were coming up with clients, sharing the stories that were coming up. And it also, the feedback was really resonating with folks. And I thought, you know what? I get so much energy out of this that I would do it for myself anyway. So let's play with this. Let's follow the energy and see where it goes. And that's how, that's how the minis were born. Wow. I, it's just so cool because as I'm sitting here on my end of the computer and I I see you doing it, I just sit here and think like, wow, she's a natural, like she's very good at this. You can tell it comes very naturally to her. And I made the same mistake with, with one of our former guests on the show, Dr. Chris Kenobi. He did a presentation Mm -hmm. in front of hundreds of people and it was so dynamic and incredible and engaging. And I, you know, I told him in the episode, like, wow, you're, you're very much a natural speaker. And he said, absolutely not. (laughs) Six years ago, (laughs) I was the worst public speaker you could ever imagine. And I had to work and work and work and work to get really good at it. So again, Mm. I just, I love, I love learning that, you know, maybe you weren't a natural getting started, but you put the time and effort into it to the point now that you're incredibly good at it. It's a really great way to consume content. The minis are just a few minutes. The one that I just watched before jumping on was about your keyboard. And I thought it was Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Can you share that message with us? (laughs) Absolutely. That's where this term space maker came from. Um, And a lot of times, you know, it's also a buzzword. Can we create some space for X? Can we create, you know, let's get a little distance from it. And sometimes people say, what do people actually mean by this? And I had a, I had a very difficult situation in my life. I was going through a super tough time and I, I had kind of run away into the mountains for a while. And I, I was sitting down, I was writing a lot of poetry because, you know, the tortured soul oftentimes has so much poetry just available flowing out. Mm. And then at some point in time, I'm sitting here in front of my computer and I'm starting to kind of just lose myself in the keyboard. And all of a sudden I start reading some of the keys and it's like control, function, command, um, you know, return, escape. And I'm thinking, oh my God, all of these words are the words that describe what I'm feeling right now, what I want to do. They're all grasping words. They're all controlling words. They're all how do we move faster and and keep producing more? It plays back into that same topic of what is the world's version of success in this case. And as I looked more and more, <laughs> you know, then I'm, I'm noticing that there's one key on the keyboard that has no label, that is dead center and as close as it comes to us. And it's this space bar. It's the absolute biggest on the entire keyboard. 
And it's for, you know, I can remember when I was learning how to type, it's, it's your home base, right? It's, it's how you can orient yourself to the entire keyboard. And I started thinking about what is the function of space when we type? Because in, in a text, you know, there are all of these characters. And if they're all together, you might be able to make a little bit of sense, but without the space, without the distance between the paragraphs, without the distance between the words, it just becomes a jumbled mess. And the same kind of thing happens within, within our own heads. Because oftentimes we have topics and they become so close, they're directly in front of our eyes that we can't focus on them anymore. They, they no longer are making sense even. We're just kind of going through the motions and thinking, trying to figure out how to gain some clarity. And oftentimes it's creating a bit of distance which is super counterintuitive because when we're stressed, when we're freaking out, all of our body, all of our mind is saying like, okay, take more control. You know, I need to escape this. I need to come back to it. I need to figure it out. I need to go faster. Where in all honesty, so often it is this counterintuitive moment of slowing down, reflecting, touching back to home base, which is this structure and trust within ourselves and saying, what's actually happening here? Wow. And that's the power of space within our own lives. Wow. It very much reminds me of the Taoist teaching, like the, the, the cup, you know, holds the water, but its usefulness is in the emptiness. The walls yes. make the room, but the inside where the space is, is, is where the utility is. I, I love that concept. Mm. That's amazing. Oh, 100%. such a cool lesson to learn from your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, it's, it's pretty much ever present, right? So most of us have this kind of in front of us all the time and it can be just a beautiful reminder. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Also on your website, you offer a three or I'm sorry, a free um, consultation or coaching session. Is that correct? Yes. Now, yes. There's two different kinds. And I was really, really curious to talk to you about why you, you have two different services and who you would recommend each one for. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the mindset work, are you, do you mean the mindset and the storytelling? Yes. Yes. Um, do you know, I love that you asked this question because this is one of those places where life is very much in flux. Um, and I, I, both of these pieces were coming together and I see that they meld more and more, but they speak to very different situations, very different mindsets. The mindset coaching is very much looking into, <laughs> and they overlap even here. What are the stories that I'm telling myself within my mind? How am I limiting my own actions, what are the belief systems that are either blocking me from clarity or that I've kind of bound my hands behind my back, believing that this is either possible or impossible. And so the mindset coaching is a lot of challenging and playing around, playing in this sandbox of what if, <laughs> Just what if that 
was a malleable thing? What if your mind was much more elastic than what you have allowed yourself to believe up until now? And through that challenging, can you also give yourself permission to experiment with it in real life? So oftentimes this is why I, this is why I find this free session so powerful. And many people will say, you know, ah, you shouldn't do the free, you shouldn't do this. For me, I know the power in this work is through the experience of it. And oftentimes the thing that I say when somebody comes and they say, yes, I'm in, I say, okay, but just so you know, the commitment, the investment is much more than any money. It is the time, the energy, but also the, the integration into your everyday life. So yes, these sessions will be intense, but truly when you begin to integrate it, this is where the magic happens. When you leave the session and you start to say, how do I plug in? these dreams, these visions into my next step. And so that's the mindset work is really into this topic and the storytelling on, on more of an external view is oftentimes when people come and they say, I want to feel more confident to be able to present myself to my boss or to my team. I want to be able to bring my ideas forth where it feels like I'm not doubting myself so much because I believe in it. But when I open my mouth, I just don't feel confident. And these two, they, they swim in the same pond, right? Because confidence is the fragrance of the flower of trust. Mm. Confidence is not something in and of itself, but confidence is what flows out from the decision to choose to trust ourselves into stepping into discomfort, into stepping into the vulnerability of putting our dreams and our ideas out into the world. So, so these, they, they definitely overlap and intertwine, but these are the two different aspects that come up with, with those two different forms of coaching. Wow. I absolutely love that. Is there anything that you are working on for the future? Or are you just planning on continuing down the route that you are? You know, I, I, I love the work that I do. I am, I'm a bit nomadic at heart. <laughs> and so there are always new projects right now. I try to figure out as well, the ways to ensure that this type of work that I find so powerful, the work that we allow ourselves to do with our stories. I'm exploring different ways of bringing out a program actually to, to be able to deep dive into this with specific topics. So this is something that's coming up. I work a lot with teams as well, especially on culture, because that's my passion from my background in workplace design and, and architecture, um, is that I love understanding the team dynamic and helping them shape and create that dynamic and that culture that they want inside of their teams, inside of their offices to open up a whole bunch of potential. And so between that and the individual coaching right now, these are, these are my babies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that sounds absolutely amazing. Rebecca, this has been an incredible conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I'm wondering. I know. I love it. It's so great. <laughs> I'm wondering if you have one simple thing that you would like to leave with a listener that they can walk away from this conversation with and apply into their lives. Mm. What would be the one thing? 
I think this aspect of choice, truly, just it ties into just about every aspect of the work that I do. And this remembrance that you are choosing your life and that that can be very humbling at times, but but truly that choice and that ownership and how beautiful and empowering that can be when we, when we step into choice in our lives. Mm, I'm going to write that word down on my whiteboard right now since we're done with this conversation. <laughs> oh, so cool. Rebecca, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with your work and also to uh, get a free coaching session if they'd like? Yeah, sure. I, the easiest is the website, uh, RebeccaRoberts.com. From there, you can also check out the Inner Architecture minis, the videos. You can learn a little bit more about all of the, the different work that that we have the potential of exploring. And yeah, that's it's a great home base for this. Excellent. We will make sure to link that in the notes. Rebecca Roberts, thank you so very much for all of your work and everything that you've done in the past and sharing this message with everybody. I think it's really wonderful. Um, I definitely am walking away from this conversation with a lot more tools and a, a, you know, a few things reframed in my life. I really appreciate that. So thank you so very much for this conversation and thank you for coming on our show today. We're really honored to host you. I am honored as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for bringing this work out into the world in all its different forms. You guys are lovely. Oh, thank you very much. We agree with you and just feel like it's so important. And especially in today's day and age, I think all of us could use a little bit more space in our lives. So really love that. Amen. Uh, well, Rebecca Roberts, thank you very much. We're so grateful for you. Ciao, my dear. Right. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk later. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.